If you are vulnerable to psychic damage from roguish language, stay away from these gibbering mouths. But if you intend on listening to this podcast about enriching your fantastical group hallucinations, you're too far gone already. Your next game is going to be extravagantly eerie. And here's why. This series is all about horror at the D&D table. You've been with us two episodes ago where we talked about what we need to craft a horror story. Then we chatted about what do we need to add terror to monsters. And finally, in this episode, we will wrap it all up in a mighty culmination where we talk about how to apply fears to role-playing. Welcome to the Hook and Chance podcast. I'm Jordan. And I'm his brother, Travis. Are you sure? <laughs> Not feeling it today. <laughs> okay, so we're rounding out this series of episodes about horror by talking about how it's all going to come together and affect the average adventurer. Yeah, so I feel like there is a lot to accomplish with being afraid, playing characters that are afraid, and doing so in a way that doesn't like just destroy your character and... There's this trope, this horror trope, characters that are just kind of, I don't know, horror has tropes. And that's the dangerous bit is that you have to either play like the terrified cheerleader or the <laughs> like, I love that D&D class. Yeah. <laughs> the terrified cheerleader class. We should make one. The doofus jock. In order, I think. The to... Scooby-Doo gang is yeah, basically. Basically, yeah. You're talking about this Scooby and the gang. I wish I could do some kind of Scooby impression. But I do want to play that one shot. That would be kind of fun. I'd, I'd be into that. Yeah. Except you know how it ends. It's the guy that <laughs> you can just hit. rip at people's faces the entire <laughs> one shot. And that's how that would go. If a DM ran a game yeah. and it was very clearly like Scooby oriented, the first person they meet, they're just clawing their eyes out. <laughs> I know this is a mask. <laughs> just like tearing at their cheeks. So the question is, like, what do you build for a horror game? Well, those are the tropes for horror, but the tropes for D&D, you always go into D&D wanting to make a badass hero that doesn't get afraid in the face of danger. I mean, that that's just it. You you build the loner Batman character that's like, I don't need anybody. And then all of a sudden you're stuck in this scenario where you're playing at a table with a bunch of people. And it's like, okay, that character clearly doesn't work in this scenario. Yeah. And so playing in a horror game really requires, I think, a little bit of a different approach because now you're a triumphant hero that fears nothing and you're supposed to be playing in a horror game. So it's <laughs> like, that's not going to work. That's not going to play out like you want it to. So much of D&D should be terrifying. We're dealing with like a book full of monsters. Touche. Like <laughs> most of it is devils, dragons, and aberrations that... I mean, if you came across a gibbering mouther in real life once, you are not the same person. Yeah, for, you, yeah. you become the gibbering mouther. You're just driven insane by what the horrors that you've seen. That's a lot of mouths. <laughs> There's so many mouths. 
So then you get into the concept of fear mechanics, which a lot of games kind of toy with. But coming from the game, it's kind of hard to like force those into the role playing, right? Yeah. And I think the fundamental problem that I have with fear mechanics is this like, okay, so you're stalwart, amazing, valorious paladin. As soon as the fear mechanic kicks in, and that character is now afraid, they go from fear nothing paladin to pissing their pants and running in the opposite direction. And that's right. not heroic. So if a monster uses an effect that just makes you afraid, full stop, now you're a five-year-old child that is wetting themselves and crying. I mean, I don't think we have to take that approach, <laughs> but that's ultimately where a lot of games kind of go. And I think there's a better way to do fear mechanics, build fears into your characters but it takes a little bit of thinking ahead so let's do that now this is the strategy stateroom where inventive and cunning tactics are crafted for when they're needed most okay okay so let's establish some facts we've already done this in the previous episodes but recap you've got the five fears extinction or death mutilation or losing the use of our bodies. We all remember how I reacted to that. <laughs> yes. It's not. We we discovered what I'm afraid of. I want to put together a mix of clips of Travis being yucked. <laughs> Loss of autonomy or control. Separation or being alone. And finally, ego death. Which should be the one that I'm afraid of the most because I have a huge ego. Mm -hmm. And the death of that ego is <laughs> something that you would be very sad about. <laughs> So if you're if you got a character named let's say Jerry Bad Boy, <laughs> Jerry Bad Boy, the paladin hero, yes, that doesn't take no shit. You you want to start with what Jerry values the most. So in D and D, this is I'm not gonna get over Jerry. <laughs> I can picture him already, and Jerry is as an impressive specimen. Well, what's he look like? He's just well, he's probably got an earring in at least one ear. Yeah. Jerry like bad boy. Five of them. And there is no way he does not have a popped collar <laughs> <laughs> underneath his paladin armor. <laughs> All right. Good. Carrying on. Uh, so in Dungeons and Dragons, what the character values most is usually summarized as an ideal. So it's something like friendship or freedom or honesty. The thing that you value the most is the thing that you're going to be the most afraid of losing. We'd spoken in previous episodes about how your some of your values are rooted in things that would make you angry. So we talked about that in the Barbarian episode, mm -hmm. about what fuels your rage. And so for me, you know, respect anybody that kind of has that. I said that turn signals, not using turn signals, triggered that rage inside <laughs> me because that attacks one of those core values. So very similarly, with fears, you have a value. And clearly, I have something wrong with the fear of mutilation and that kind of stuff. And where that comes from is I have a keen sense of value in my ability to express myself in a creative manner. And so part of that is my ability to draw and my need for you know both my hands and my eyes yeah so that fuels my fear of mutilation 
Okay, so let's quickly rip through an example of some of those fears and how we can relate them back to characters. Certainly. So Jerry Bim Bam likes his friends a lot. So his values friendship. So he's got a that means he's got a fear of separation from said friends. Okay. Then if you take that to the next step, he's got a fear of being alone. Sure. Yeah. Anytime there's maybe it actually leads right into, you know, some of those fears around being controlled. Like any kind of mind control, like an abolith being able to mind control somebody, that that fear of separation mm. from your ability to just do whatever you want, being kind of separated from your party by being pitted against them, that could play into it. Yeah, that would be great for a D&D character having a fear of anything messing with your mind because it's pretty common and you could do a lot of kind of extreme things with that. Totally. If Jerry loved freedom above all else and that was like part of their maybe a bond that they decided for their character. Jerry's bond is <laughs> still can't get over Jerry. Jerry's bond is wanting to see all people freed and living free. And that was like a core of Jerry, the paladins yeah. needs. Then yeah, they're going to fight for any kind of captivity and they'll try and free people in chains and things like that. But that might mean that they're really afraid of being put in any kind of captivity. Yeah, that's why they've developed their skills and all that. And so then if you want a specific example of that, Jerry is claustrophobic. Doesn't like going into caves. Come up with a million reasons not to. <laughs> wow. I mean, there's a lot of really legitimate fears around caving. Yeah. And the many different things that can happen. You can get yourself into a tight spot and not be able to turn around. You could end up being trapped in in a cave by some kind of collapse. So Jerry might have a legitimate fear of caves, despite the fact that it seems as though Jerry's fear of caves and his value of freedom are completely separate. Yeah. And now you can role play that character very differently because this valorious paladin, Jerry the badass? Jerry bad boy. Jerry bad boy. <laughs> Sorry, Jerry bad boy. <laughs> Jerry bad boy just doesn't go into caves. Yeah. That's how Jerry Bad Boy rolls. <laughs> Especially and it makes even more sense when you consider a paladin's heavy armor. Like I wouldn't I would not want to no. go caving in heavy armor. That's a bad, bad idea. Paladins, stay out of caves. Jerry then reveals that he loves honesty. So Jerry Bad Boy has a bond of honesty and always telling the truth, which might mean that Jerry Bad Boy is also has a fear of not knowing the truth. Yeah, he, he puts on a good front, but if he ever suspects that things are really getting out of his control and he doesn't understand what's going on truthfully, might be scared of somebody who is kind of overtly lying but doesn't know how to maybe get those answers out of them. And fear comes out aggressively, so that still totally works in this kind of a character. Okay. Um, how do you take that one step further to like an actual legitimate fear? Well, if we go back into the caves, it makes perfect sense because if you don't know the full truth of what's around you, that's also called the dark. Mm. And people that maybe don't have strong feelings about well, things. That totally works because the fear of the unknown, that's a legitimate fear that a lot of people share. Yeah. And that fear of the unknown is tied to that fear of the dark. I don't know what's out there. I don't know what's around me. I can't see in the dark. So now all of a sudden, like that fear can inform how Jerry Bad Boy buys 
an ass ton of torches. Yeah. He learns to cast light and he <laughs> gets a drift globe. Yeah. 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 There's lots of different ways that that could probably play out. Jerry Bad Boy doesn't fight in the dark. Jerry Bad Boy doesn't sound like such a bad boy anymore. <laughs> he is. Jerry Bad Boy sounds like an actual character yeah, that has depth and, and is a little <laughs> bit more role play. Drow, drow make him very uncomfortable because <laughs> they can cast darkness and they can see in the darkness. And they. What if we took this one step further and talked about this from a role playing angle? There is a legitimate response to being afraid. So now that we've kind of established those fears and those true fears based on the values, because they're always a counterpoint. Yeah. How do we all respond to being truly terrified? Well, some of us piss our pants. Sure. I'm not <laughs> saying which one of us has done that. But ultimately, there's the flight, fight, or freeze response. Yes. So when we're truly terrified, we all react in, the, in those different ways. You know what always gets me is the surprise videos where like somebody's dressed up as a tree and then like tries to scare people on the street things like that all of those <laughs> yes. videos and then they just get smoked in the face like i feel bad for the oh, person wow. in the tree you've seen those videos yeah, you know well, what i'm talking about i've experienced it what in, in new zealand we were walking down the street and there was a sign that said the world famous bushman on the sidewalk okay it's very confusing we're like what does that mean why is there a sign that says that and all of a sudden, the bush comes to life and <laughs> scares the crap out of us. So what was your response? What did you do? Uh, I think I jumped and yelled and backed away. So okay. what does that fall under? I don't know. That's kind of... Uh, well, you took flight. Flight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then you froze? There was no urine. There uh, <laughs> I wasn't there, so I cannot <laughs> confirm or deny whether or not there was urine involved. But we definitely did go across the street and then watch him scare other tourists for like half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> great. Don't warn them. Just be entertained. <laughs> yeah. You're a dick. So deciding how your character responds in these moments, whether it's fight, flight, or freeze, I'm kind of curious how we can extrapolate yeah those, that, into like, those words aren't enough to role play off no they, they don't really give you enough meat so thinking in terms of a role-playing game if you wanted to go with fight and have it be like an irrational fight response yeah that could, like knee jerk punch in the face kind of reaction yeah so all characters have those their whatever resources spells or abilities you could just burn your highest level ability uh. trying to hit whatever is making fear that's good. Yeah. As a rational person, you're sitting at the table going, oh, I don't want to use this fireball spell because, yeah. you know, that's saved for the baddie that we're going to run into the next. But if you're not metagaming and if you're really kind of thinking about your character from a character's perspective, they might end up nuking the party in a small dungeon <laughs> corridor out of this like knee jerk fight response. Fair. I mean, I don't think <laughs> I'm not. Scary. I'm not advocating you nuke your party. I'm just yeah, saying, yeah. like, whatever your whatever your ace in the whole spell might be. Yeah, you might use that instead of using the rational, you know, second level spell. You might burn your fourth, or like whatever it may be. Maybe you just burn it on something that's not really there. You're just like something crazy happens. I cast magic missile. And it hits the wall because there's nothing actually there. Or, you know, if your character has a legitimate fear of rats, 
you might end up, yeah, like I yeah. said, burning that lightning spell on a rat, which was overkill. You just did like 47 damage. That rat is dead 10 times <laughs> over, but that's your fear. Yeah. And that's why those fears are important. What's another fight response? Well, you could always uh, just huck your largest, most valuable possession away. <laughs> that, or something of that nature. That immediately reminds me of the Ace Ventura when nature calls when he's in the, the cave and he's looking for the albino bat and he's terrified and he ends up throwing his torch and then he's like, oh, I've still got my medallion. And then as soon as he hears the another squeak, he throws his precious medallion and yeah. screams, die devil bird. <laughs> but that's that fight response. Yeah, totally. And then of course he goes to flight. <laughs> so when, when you have nothing left to throw. How about we jump over to flight then? What could you do with that? Well, flight for me is more than just running away. And I think that's at the core of why this conversation matters so much to me because I feel like everyone kind of assumes that when your character has some kind of fear effect put on them, the usual narrative goes, oh my God, I'm going to run in literally the opposite direction and I'm going to cry and pee my pants. That's not heroic. Yeah. But if the fear action means that you can't go any closer to your target, then maybe that is just your character going, holy shit, I'm overwhelmed. This is my fear and like deep panic breaths and just a moment behind full cover to say like, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit, I can do this, I can do this. But that's a character building kind of moment. That's something to overcome. Whereas the, ah, I don't know why, but I'm treating this like I'm being mind controlled and I'm being sent in the opposite direction. Yeah. And like, that's not a character growth kind right. of thing. It's there to try and help you play your character. Like you're afraid now mechanically, but that's not your brain is taken over with the enemy's fear probe. And that also chips away at the heroicness of a character. Whereas I don't think it's unheroic for a character to say in that flight response, stumble, trip, and go prone. Yeah. Yes, that is mechanically a challenge to overcome. And usually characters wouldn't intentionally put themselves prone. But that is a really cool opportunity for the rest of the party to help or offer words of encouragement or for the bard to use one of their spells and really make sense of why your character stumbled fell backwards on their ass, started crawling away as a bit of that flight response, and then composed themselves to get back up on the next round. When they break. And charge into yeah. battle. Yeah. Now all of a sudden that charging into battle means 10 times more than it did just a moment ago. When, <laughs> when you're it's like, the only first response. Yeah. Exactly. What's another flight response? Flight definitely works pretty well from a melee character point of view because... If you're truly afraid of whatever you're going toe-to-toe -to -toe against and you're not rushing forward and just hacking and slashing, you're taking it slow, you're, you're using your less powerful abilities to try and stay away from it. That's a good point. Barbarians, they're supposed to be up there. They're supposed to be using a big double-sided axe and just hacking and slashing and blood flying everywhere. But what happens when a barbarian is actually having a true fear response now all of a sudden that barbarian forgets their usual mode of operation and just says, you know what? This is the only weapon I have. I have this big double-bladed axe. I'm not getting any closer to this thing. Despite the fact that this is where 
mathematically I do the most damage, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to forego that for an opportunity to really build upon my character's fears. And the barbarian is now going to try to use whatever less effective ranged weapon they have, whether that's a short bow or maybe that's just hucking rocks. Or maybe that's trying to get creative and use whatever environments around too. Like, yeah, pushing something over onto the enemy and just not wanting to get close and do the usual barbarian thing when they're not afraid. All right, what about the freeze response? Well, wizards are always good at freezing in the back, hiding behind <laughs> yeah. allies. Sure. <laughs> Being squishy. They just kind of plant and bombard with spells. Yeah. yeah. So what about what about the heroic character in a truly I'm out of my head with fear kind of moment? What about using one of your party members, like actually using them as a human shield? Not in a detrimental way, just like, again, to use that barbarian example, any character that's meant to be up close and personal, just refusing to get any closer and rather like hiding behind somebody else. Maybe the rogue just says, yeah, despite the fact that I get sneak attack if I get up there right now because the barbarian's already in the fray. Nope. How about not? How about I stay in the back and I maintain full cover or I'm going to hide behind the <laughs> party sorcerer yeah. just be like, uh-uh, <laughs> not happening. You could also, if you're trying to strategize with your party and your party is supposed to be moving to another location, maybe your character freezes up in that moment and ears stop working kind of situation. Well, exactly. Like when you're, when you've got that kind of adrenaline pumping, you're not paying attention to the world around you. And that might yeah. mean that despite the fact that they're saying retreat, you're still behind that full cover going, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. Yeah. Or, you know, somebody's saying, hey, get around that side. You know, one of the other party members is, is yelling at you. You're not hearing that for, say, just around. Yeah. But you've foregone around for a role-playing and character-building opportunity so that the next round you can you can pick it up. But now again, it just means that much more. Yeah. Any one of these examples gives the whole party a reason to interact a little bit, to role-play during combat and create those bonds. I think that's really cool. And I think the other thing to remember about these is that, yes, they're detrimental when they're used, but the next time your character is put into these situations then you're overcoming them in a much more meaningful way than saying, hey, my character is afraid of this monster, but I'm just going to overcome it right now and then run in. Totally. <laughs> like, like That's not much of an arc if you're just telling the group your fear and then ignoring it completely. But also that's a character growth kind of moment too, is when you've figured out all of these fears and it has been detrimental in, in minor ways yeah. to the party. Because obviously we don't want... Total party kills happening. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. You don't want the entire party pissed off at you because you're a completely ineffective mage. Because every <laughs> single time you see scared. an enemy or you're in the dark, you're just like, ah, and you're totally. I'm afraid of things useless. with bigger muscles than me. <laughs> Most of the monster manual. I'm afraid of open spaces. <laughs> Therefore, caves and and dungeons are the only place. I'm a wizard that's afraid of magic. <laughs> Okay, okay. Well, now you are definitely useless. <laughs> so, yeah, instead of doing that, now all of a sudden, you know, it's this character growth. So you've thrown this in three, maybe four times, and the party now has noticed that there is a pattern to your behavior. Yeah. The fourth time or the fifth time that you don't do that, 
Hooray! They've conquered this fear. They're working on this fear. That's amazing. I can see some really good downtime conversations with like one party member or something coming from that. Totally. Yeah. I think there's something to be said, though. How do you make this decision? How do you make this decision as to when to do this? When to have this fear kick in to an overwhelming extent that you're going to fight, flight, or freeze rather than it just being an arbitrary decision by you as the role player, as your character. I feel like a mechanic is kind of needed in these scenarios just to help me still roll dice and decide <laughs> when my character's fear really kicks in. Sure, a very important part of the game. It's that sweet, sweet D20. So here's something that isn't in the official rules. Nobody's going to force you to do this as a role player. But I think if you wanted to try just something simple to decide when this fear kicks in, whether it's the bugs or dark or whatever, when you're in that scenario where it should be triggered, just you can try rolling a fear check, just a simple fear check for yourself. Now, the DC is 10. So roll a D20, but you're always going to roll with a disadvantage on a fear check. Okay. The first time, you don't make it. The second time you come across, say, the dark, and you're like, uh-oh, I'm afraid of the dark. Now you do it again, but you've already been through it once. So add a D4. Maybe you make it, maybe you don't. Now you have those fear effects. So cross out one D4, and now you're going to use a D6 the mm. next time you make that check. Yeah. And the next time you're going to make a D8. And you're slowly becoming more accustomed to... Facing your fear. Facing your fear. Yeah. Being in the dark. And you're going to go all the way up to a D12 the next time you come across this. And you're still always going to be faced with that fear. And sometimes you're going to fail. But a lot of the time and over time, your odds of making that check are yeah. going to keep growing. And you're going to become more emboldened. And everyone's going to say, oh, holy hell. This character is getting better at facing their fears. And as you're doing that, if you get your fellow party members into it, it could be kind of a fun role to make. You know, everyone's, nobody's blaming you anymore because they've accepted your system that you're trying to introduce. Totally. Because I could see, you know, that getting a little <laughs> out of hand. It's like, don't do that right now. But it's like, okay, I've got these dice and I'm going to try and use them. You do it the first time. You know, the first time it was in a cave. The next time you, you encountered the dark, it was a haunted mansion. Whatever the case may be, it's not going to come up in every single game. And yeah. you're not going to overuse it to the point where it becomes really obnoxious. But agreed, once you did this three or four times... Now, all of a sudden, everyone's hanging yeah. on this role that you're about to make to see if your character buckles under the pressure of their fear. So to recap that, your DC is 10, you roll a D20, you add a D4 to that. If you make it, you don't make it, whatever the case may be, you just cross off that D4, write down D6 for the next time you come across this. Just to remind yourself that the next time you encounter this fear, you're going to roll a D6 all the way up to D12 and uh, always roll with a disadvantage. See how that works. I would love to know if this is, works uh, for you. And my question for you, what do I get if I roll two 20s and I max out the third dice too? Well, now you've overcome your fear and actually the dark is now afraid of you. <laughs> Good. <laughs> the darkness runs <laughs> and it is light for all forever. So <laughs> I hope that was helpful. I think the the whole point to this thing is that fears and insecurities and 
failures and challenges are what make characters interesting. Characters with no fears, characters with no challenges and no arc ultimately are always going to fall flat. They're going to be one dimensional. That's a character arc. You got to go through some shit. And to that effect, if you're playing a character in a horror game, build in some fears. Because I will tell you as a DM, (laughs) it's really hard to write a horror game for a whole bunch of I fear nothing kind of heroes. Yeah. That doesn't work in a horror game. You need to have characters that have fears, much like the cheerleader that that doesn't want to go upstairs, but does anyway, because they conquered their fear of the slasher. Oh, (laughs) that's where they're going. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Jason's waiting upstairs. (laughs) Let us know how you like to role play your scaredy cats and your Jerry bad boys. (laughs) (laughs) Jerry Bad Boy lives on forever. And uh, yeah, you can find us on any of the Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Discord, and Reddit at Hook and Chance to let us know what you think and what you do, of course. And if you enjoyed all of the sound effects that you heard in this episode, check out Tabletop Audio. There's tons of awesome stuff coming out. There is a custom sound pad for a haunted house, and it is stellar. I love that one. There's so many good ones. If that doesn't chickle your tin, then I don't know what will. <laughs> Jesus. Um, please, if you enjoy what you're hearing and if you've enjoyed our episodes, first of all, thank you very much Hell yes. for listening. We love you too. And please consider leaving us a review on iTunes or whatever format you like, because it really helps us to get out there to more people. Absolutely. And for that matter, for some reason, iTunes just controls this world of who gets to see your stuff, whether or not there are reviews being left on it. Yeah. So apparently those matter. Um, I'm, I'm afraid of iTunes. So it's not that we need words of affirmation <laughs> from you, <laughs> but I mean, it helps. It, it certainly does. So yeah, leave us a review. We we love it. And join us on Discord because there's some cool stuff happening over there. And uh, yeah, so thanks again for listening. And play great games. When were you going to come in on that one? Damn it. He's flexing right now, but you can't see it because it's a podcast. When's he going to say it? Tune in next time where I say it.